You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman. I have Tyler Pittman with me as usual. Tyler, what's going on, brother? Been a long time. It's been it's been a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, Dude, I've been busting out a bunch of these different interviews with folks across the country. And so yep. it's been a little while since we've been here in the studio, and uh, we have invited Mr. Tom Wasnowski to come back. Tom, what's going on, man? How are you guys? Good. Hey, Good so to we be back. said that uh, we said that we would have you back as soon as we had the IPA, our beer that we brewed. Gosh, mm-hmm. what, what do we do that? Probably six five weeks ago now somewhere around yeah. there mm-hmm. but uh, we got it bottled two weeks ago a week and a half two weeks week ago and a half, yeah. yeah and so it is sufficiently carbonated so we had uh tom come in the house and do some testy test on it tom let's let's, let's get let's, this thing off let's christen this Hold somebody on, give see. us a drum roll uh, that's loud enough <laughs> all right let's see let's see how good these mics are Ooh, i can hear that over here Oh. We'll see if it that picked it up. So it's a the style is a West Coast IPA. So it's pretty dark, relatively mm-hmm. dark, and this one isn't nec- isn't isn't real hoppy. Uh-uh. Tom, you'll like the one of the hops that we had put in there was actually from Yakima, where I played baseball. No kidding. Last summer, yeah. That is super. What, cool. Mark? What's the stat on that? They produce. 75 percent definitely the majority of yeah. the world tops no kidding of, in the US. u.s sorry yeah but it's it is the place for right, let's yeah. give let's give her a rip and see what she's all about all right. well <laughs> we're getting all the sound effects that's right she's cold you're right she's not real hoppy she's hoppy but not back not of the throat hoppy right yeah hmm yeah. And she's dark. If I hold her up to the light, she honestly, she's even a little darker than a Killian's Red, which yeah. Killian's Red, Killian's not really known as being a real hoppy beer, right. but that's kind of the color. Color, kind of yeah. malt. Yeah, kind of a reddish brown. Ah, oh, man, I. How many you got in the fridge? We <laughs> <laughs> got about fifty of them. Don't might we? be yeah. a fun afternoon. It was over five gallons worth. So, so that was your size, five yeah. gallons, and yep. oh, wow! So that gave you four cases ish. Ish, yep. yeah. Hot dang! Do you like I that like one it. or the previous one? So the previous one was the farmhouse ale. Yeah. Um, a little easier drink, but it it well it. I, I don't know. This is a relatively this has got easier a, this IPA. This is a very mild IPA. This yeah. has got some good taste to it. Yeah, really now, good flavor. I did on our last one, the farmhouse ale, smooth as silk, right? Yeah. But then remember the second one we did, we kind of did a half Mix. and half mixture. Yeah. <clears throat> but the, uh, so this one I would, if I would line them up, the three of them up, I would put, you know, left to right from smooth to increasing in hoppiness. I would say the farmhouse ale would come first. This one would come in the middle. middle. And that other one that we did the half and half yeah. with, I don't remember the name of that it one. It was the Goose Island IPA. Or no, 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 it wasn't. It was the, I can't remember. Mom had brought the case home. Yeah. It was what? pretty, it was a pretty hoppy IPA, but it was, wasn't that high percentage. Okay. But it, it, it was pretty, it was no, okay, it was you. a green can, but mm-hmm. pretty high IBU. Okay. On a real hot summer day, I would probably prefer... A handful of the farmhouse ale. Yeah. 
on an evening chill, sitting around, relaxing, I would do this the West Coast IPA, yeah. if that's what we're calling it. Yep. Yeah. Or is that what you guys would call it, rather? Yeah. I can't call me we. I guess because I'm part of the yeah, taste yeah, group. Yeah, you're part of the team. I'm that's part right. of the test study. I, I can the, we. You're the R&D department. R&D. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice job, isn't I, it? I wouldn't mind that. In fact, please put me <laughs> put that in my title. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to call this the uh, Partnernomics Brewery, oh. but if we call it that, uh, I definitely want to be on the R&D team. Well, if we keep on pumping these out, man, we got to have somebody test it. That's right. I'm in. I'm in. You got me on whenever you need me. Where's uh, Where's the opener? Can oh, I borrow that. Sorry, I didn't mean Thank to you. Bogart that on you. Oh, you're good. All right, man. So what are we going to talk about today? We are talking IoT, correct? Yeah. A little the, Internet of Things. The Internet of Things. I've heard it called IoT. I've called it IOE, Internet of Everything. It's about this wild world that is evolving and everything being connected. I think IOE is more fitting for nowadays, wouldn't you say? Well, I, I, yeah, <laughs> like it is. I mean, the other day, well, we bought a new house, uh, not new, but different to us four months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a Samsung refrigerator and, you know, there's an app I can connect to the refrigerator. <laughs> and, and you know what? It tells me there's an option. Do I want to just have the filters sent directly to my house yeah. when they're in, uh, done with their six month cycle? Or do I want to be notified with a text message or an email when I need to do a replacement? Okay. That's, that's a, that's a pretty easy paradigm shift for me to accept. Um, you know, in, in the other ideas of, of IoT, you know, I have smart switches in my house and I can say, you know, Alexa or Google Home, whichever happens to be your platform of choice, you know, turn off countertop lights and bling, they're, they're done. You can set up routines when well, you go Nest to bed at and night. thermostat yeah, there's like, and lights, so there's, camera, security systems. There's all kinds of devices that as humans we can interact with mm-hmm. that to some... Uh, you know, those front of the plow type of guys and gals that are like, Hey, I'm going to consume everything I can. That's new. And they're, they're willing to pay the premium for these new sort of cool on the edge devices. Um, but I would say those are the, those front of the plow folks are the much smaller percentage of the human population that want to dive into this technology infused world. Kind of these early adopters. I've heard somewhere 10 to 15%, you know, is going to be kind of the gadget geeks that will jump Mm -hmm. into that. Do you you fall into that category? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Man, I'm kind of like right on the edge. I'm probably like, if it's 10%, I'm probably like 11, 11%. (laughs) I'm just right behind the wave. I think. So interestingly enough, I I'm in, in thought cycle and desire, I'm I'm two percent. I'm like, show me all the new cool yeah. stuff. But then when I see the price tag of the new yeah. stuff, I'm like, eh, well, that's you know, it. I mean, the I'll early adopters, man, they pay the freight. Yeah, they do. you know, they well, they end up paying for all the R and D dollars. Yeah, which mm-hmm. you know, as the R and D guy for a beer company, I'm good with that. Yeah, and I, I'm, <laughs> we can do that with beer. We have a, a pretty low failure rate uh-huh. on our product yeah you know so we're pretty solid with that cost of operations is <laughs> but low man i get annoyed whenever stuff doesn't work oh you know so i'm not a very good first 10 so, percent so tester an, that's why i'm at 11 to 15 then. what's that like give me an example of that so so this actually let me extract out of your head because one of the things that i want to really understand more about is how does the how do how does the human psychology tie itself to the dependency and trust in technology. Yeah. So that failure moment that you go through 
and and I'm not saying that you're a you know uh, um, a test case that might apply to everyone, but you are a test case. What is in that frustration or in that challenging moment? What could you see as the cause? So where my head's at or my frame of reference is probably mostly in software, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of what we do with mm-hmm. our platforms and and all of with our learning management systems and all these cool Google tools and web apps, you know, you have these opportunities to test drive something early, right? Mm-hmm. Jump into the alpha betas. And I guess, you know, I've done that a couple of times and been bit and had issues like serious issues right where it deletes and kind of kills some of the stuff that you really needed okay. that you used to have okay and so i don't know i'm just a little bit gun shy on on that i, I want to at least make sure there's one or two versions out right yeah before right. i hop into that i don't know i just i, I want my stuff to work so you're talking about that <clears throat> that early adopter as you called it kind of alpha and beta test group right and I think there's, in this world of IoT, kind of keeping our thread on that angle, there was a lot of that stuff going on, uh, gosh, I would say even as early as seven, eight, nine years ago, where, you know, you could, um, let me stop and think, you know, uh, door locks, for example, you know, Slage and uh, some of the other Gosh, I can't think of the other large manufacturers of door handles and locks, but gosh, you could go in and, you know, push a five-digit code and burnt, motorized little deal would open up your deadbolt and, hey, where you were, you didn't need a key anymore, right? Now it's like, you know, you can buy them or if your phone, if an authorized device is close enough to that bad boy, it opens automatically. Mm-hmm. Now that gets into the software frustration that you're talking about, right? So now I got to be smart enough to go into the administrative console and say, hey, this device that is my Android or my iPhone, whatever it happens to be, um, you have to register that as a trusted device to now work with that machine to give me access to my home. That requires a whole different level of knowledge by the user. And that's the category that you just talked about where it becomes very, very frustrating. So now let's let's parlay that or, or, or leapfrog that into something that might be a little bit more um, a little bit more sensitive, and that is the whole life and death aspect of how <clears throat> IoT or, or devices play into the uh, the healthcare vertical. Yeah. Right? So use cases I have are, you know, my father in law has a pacemaker. That bad boy, as soon as he puts his phone next up to it, uh, it can it can um, transmit all of the X number of days in the past, and they can start to develop, you know, patterns of what's going on within his heart rhythm. They can adjust his medications appropriately if he's in an incident, uh, or they can smash it up against a database, kind of like we were talking about earlier, of other people that have a similar condition, and then maybe there's a test group going on somewhere. Do some predictive. Yeah, do some predictive Mm -hmm. work, right? Some rather than so. so Here's how I like to look at um, IoT in the medical field. It's taking what has traditionally been a very reactive market and now made it a predictive Mm -hmm. and more scalable. Let's give a bunch of people some pills and see if they die. Or if they get better. Right. Let, let's do something, test the results, then tweak, re-again. You know? So it, it kind of takes the scientific method to a whole new level. Yeah, right. And makes it much more precise. Because you're able to get real-time data yeah. from yeah. A, basically an infinite number of observations. I mean, yeah. As many yeah. patients as you have, 
with the mobile device, and maybe we'll get into the whole 5G and having even more and more bandwidth, where that mm-hmm. is no longer the limiting factor. It's got the limitation. I mean, just like you, yeah. been, I've been involved in technology forever. Mm-hmm. And whenever, as we were talking about, you know, I like things to work, but yeah. I've spent my whole career working on products that were still a thought. Correct. And working through that, I'm thinking all the way back to 15 plus years ago, whenever we were standing up Wi Fi networks. Yep. And trying to do authentication and automatic authentication and across mm. multiple devices and, and then bringing that to phones, not just laptops through PCMCIA cards that yeah. you jammed in the side of your laptop, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm geeking out a little bit with you. Yeah. But uh, now going to phones. I have heard that acronym in forever. I know. It has I'm been. Impressed. See, I told I'm you. Impressed. you. You got this. I told you. Uh, but now cars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I just got, got a new rig, got a couple of new rigs out there in the driveway and they, well... So the old F-150, uh-huh. I connected to my home uh, system so that it could download new software for for the truck. That, that connects and talks to your electronic control module? Yep. So you do firmware updates that yep. way? Yep. <laughs> oh, Tommy Likey. <laughs> that's, so that's, okay, so now we're, we're okay, so we talk about automotive. We, we talked briefly about logistics, too, and the mm-hmm. whole, <clears throat> so... There's so many, there's a handful of vertical markets that can absolutely be looked at as um, nowadays probably even codependent on technology, not just reliant upon it, but Dude, very codependent. Everything is, is dependent on yeah. technology. If you want to compete, I feel going. like. So much of it, do. I mean, we were talking about, I mean, you just, uh, Tyler just got some new investments in some stocks, mm. right? So General Motors. Yep. Signed a new uh, partnership with Nicola. Nicola, right? Really? Tyler got in at the, at the good time on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And and they they're gonna and I just read that the other day. Tell me about that. So how how did you come across that? Well, so I had bought into a warrant prior to the deal being in place, and then exercised the warrants and had made a little money. Well, then. Once they announced the, I think it was a $2 billion deal with GM. Mm-hmm. GM now owns 11% of Nikola. I mean, it jumped the stock, what I'd say, 50% a day. Yeah. So hmm. So then, what, do, what do they do exactly? I know kind of roughly. With Nikola? The, Nikola. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're, so they're producing the Badger, which is an electric truck, but they're mm-hmm. also doing electric semis and trash trucks and Ooh. some company that's put amazing in, something that heavy man can, yeah and they had so a they're, con- they're going head to head against what elon is doing with tesla, tesla right and i there's a difference in the battery making or the fuel cells and what they're running off but they're all electric and they claim that nicolas are going to have better mileage before they need a charge or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they had, I know Nicola had a deal with, I don't remember the company name, but for like a couple hundred or a couple thousand garbage trucks. <clears throat> and these things run at like a minimum of 500,000. So it was a multi-billion dollar yeah. deal. Yeah. And this is before they're even in production, but man, it fluctuates that stock price like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so interesting to look back in a year or two or three and just see what that world looks like oh yeah so so i love the name because in history there was a guy by the name of nikola tesla Mm -hmm. who was uh very uh i mean playing with electrons and electricity has always been a little bit of a 
Ooh, I mean, I, I'm a DIYer. I, plumbing, no problem. I can knock it out. <laughs> you need me to dig a trench and do some landscaping, uh, no problem. You little know, one, you, 110, you 120, 220 kind of bites you a little bit. Yeah. So, he, so here's the story. My dad worked in the oil industry. And, well, Amoco Oil, Standard Oil, then he unfortunately uh, wasn't with the BP acquisition. But um, he he was what was called a – he supported all the, the local – um oh the, the gas stations when they used to be called service stations right so they would do brake work they when they actually used work. to pump your gas for you right <laughs> right right or you know hey you need a brake job you need a muffler job whatever <clears throat> well those stations used to carry these big old what i called the, i i was like dad you firing up the torpedo today it was this like four foot long kerosene heater that looked like a dang torpedo and what started it was you plugged it into a 220 connection and that was the heating element mechanism that fired it up and the kerosene started to burn, right? Little Tommy one day got his first feel of what 220 felt like when he accidentally oh, had his finger oh, man. on <clears throat> the plug as it was put into the receptacle. Yeah, rocked me a little bit. So, <laughs> that's a lot of juice man. oh yeah it was is. a lot of juice Even, I, I mean i felt it in every oh yeah centimeter of my body down to my toes mm. i mean 110 will just give you a quick little jolt 220 steps up a little bit mm-hmm. and gives you a little bit of jump more of a jump oh yeah so that was probably at age six or seven and so i've always been a little You're kind of traumatized ever since a little, yeah little touchy yeah. on electricity <laughs> a little touchy mark do you remember the valve job i had with a friend's dad with cole's dad Remember, I worked in... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Tom, I worked for a friend's dad. He manufactures valves that he sends out to companies. They put in pipelines. Big whatever. industrial valves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I would build them. Mm. And they're pneumatic. <clears throat> They've got these pneumatic actuators that sit on top. And then you put a limit switch up on top where you have to take the cap off and plug up the power and test them and flip a switch. Yeah, and make sure they're working. Right. And the highest were 110 volts. And, oh, man, I shocked myself once. Let me tell you, I didn't get anywhere close to the because <laughs> you had to make sure they weren't touching. Well, they barely touched and woo, arced across and got a hold of you. That's right. So I yeah. learned not to mess with that stuff too much. The trust factor. Mm-hmm. Trust in working with electricity. <laughs> so that's look. That's that's the thing. Let's go back to that. And you know, in in what you guys do at Partnernomics, trust is is a huge huge element, right? So. All these, I mean, and I don't, gosh, I should probably know the statistics, but it's it's in the multiples of billions of devices that, you know, networks are going to enable, you know, I think Verizon's got this awesome commercial now. It's like, hey, you know, it's like a 28-lane highway, 5G referring to, <laughs> and we've got the fastest global uh, access ramp, a 5G, 28-lane highway. It's not like a two-lane dirt road. I'm like, okay, so let's really think about what that means, right? That means now I can just stuff a bunch of more cars on the highway. It's like driving in L.A. versus, you know, 435 here in Kansas City. They're different widths of the highways. But going back to the trust element and being able to support all those devices that can connect on this new 28-lane highway, I don't know that mankind, people kind, that's a big psychological barrier to jump. And yeah, I, trust it. It's an interesting thing, man. I'm just I want to spin this book around so you can see it. This code of trust. The code of I've, trust. 
trust, as you mentioned, is and we have this thing we've talked about, the partnership success pyramid, right? The five mm-hmm. imperatives for partnership success. And the foundation, the foundational element is trust. Right. And there's a lot of different authors that have written about it. And it, it intrigues me, you know, because I think that if if you can nail the trust thing, so it all comes down to people. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, all technology, I mean all of this stuff, every business, every product, every service ultimately comes down to people. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's kind of the common denominator. And so trust is, it really is an interesting topic. Mm. And it's so dynamic, you know, because you say, have a high trust organization, right? Have a high trust organization. And, and there's obviously this very high correlation of, of having a high output, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. company. But trust is so dynamic. Mm-hmm. I mean, trust is so many things that goes into to building trust. But yeah, to your point, um, you know, especially with partnerships, this world that we live in, man, it is just becoming so complex, mm, so interwoven, so many different yeah. pieces and components, and <clears throat> nobody can produce everything. I mean, mm. we were just we we live in this world of partnership, right? We dig through all these cool uh, announcements and press releases of new partnerships coming out. Well, there's the, the rate of partnerships being formed today, according to um, uh, the Journal of Accountancy, it's increasing at a rate of 25% per year, right? So you get this exponential growth yeah, yeah. of the quantity of partnerships that are being formed. And how's the success rate correlate? Well, that's just it. I mean, the success rate, <laughs> there, there's... It depends on how you define success, but generally speaking, most studies, and this is McKinsey and all of these, uh, Gartner and Forrester, that do these studies, generally speaking, what they'll do is they look at, um, they, they go back to the senior executives two years after the fact and say, did you accomplish the goals that you had set out for mm-hmm. this partnership? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Mm-hmm. And basically ask those senior executives, if both of them say yes, it was a success, you know, a successful partnership, but a tick in that column. If one of them, at least one of them said no, you know, put a failure in that. And, and depending on which study you look at and how you define success specifically, but the, the range is somewhere between 65 to 75% failure rate at a two-year mark. Mm. You know, so that's why we exist. And so... So let, let's dig into that because what I want <clears throat> to... I'm going to flip the mic and I'm going to ask you because you, you're a guy that knows you've done a lot of research in this area and, and, and you can probably pinpoint the, the areas where these partnerships fail the most. And why I ask that is I want to try and drive if why the partnerships in the, in the specifics that you can point to why they fail, if it's the same reason why the trust is over on the on the topic of today of why the trust factor in human society is not willing to build that bridge to technology. Now, there, is there correlation we can drive there? Yeah, so I'd first like to hit on something that you said there. Okay. Um, of people's, I'm going to kind of put words in your mouth, but people's inability or unwillingness to trust technology so it's stalling out the proliferation of technology or kind of slowing it yeah 
You know, I think back to 15 years ago, whenever a lot of us were making web purchases for the first time. Yep. And we were all, we all heard, you know, careful. Hell no, don't careful. do that. Don't, don't give put your credit, your credit card, card on there. Just uh-uh. PayPal, no way. That That's just a company on the Silicon Valley. We don't go there. I mean, how many of us heard that? Uh, all of all us, the day. Right? Yeah, all, all of day. us, all day long. <clears throat> Dude, how many, how many transactions do we make <laughs> via the web? Or, you know, you cruise into Quick Trip or you go into Walmart, pop in the card. Yep. What's the difference? As soon it's, as you pop it in that machine, yep. it's going electronic and it's flying over, you know, the cybersphere. Correct. Uh, and so I think it's this evolution. And so the question is, how fast? How long is it going to take? You know, mm-hmm. so now it's it's the next level. So we were talking about the whole, um, you know, payments and these things, and then credit cards needing to say, well, we're automatically going to cover it. You don't have to worry about fraud. If if you have a fraudulent <clears throat> charge, you know, you call us up and we'll all take that kind of good you. stuff. And so now we're kind of stepping into the next phase of this. You know, mm-hmm. of we have all these different devices, these things that now our phone is connecting to mm-hmm. because now our, our phone is the highway. Yep. Mm-hmm. Our phone yep. is the highway of data that's getting some server sitting somewhere, gives them the ability to aggregate this data so yep. they can then crunch it and do whatever it is that they do with it. Um, so, so I want to draw something on. <clears throat> I want to step you back into the, the statement that you made about credit card, online credit card transactions. And I think what built the trust for a lot of folks to open up or embrace that ease of doing a transaction was there was somebody that told me or someone that I can interact with that said, if a problem happens, we'll take care of you. So back to a statement I've heard you make many, 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 many a times, partnerships, and I think you even talked about it earlier on this podcast, no matter what, it, it comes back down to relationship between people, right? So now let's fast forward. Hey, I'm cool with doing an online transaction with my, you know, Amex, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, whatever the flavor, because I know somebody will be there to support me. But let's now open that up and broaden that a lot wider with all these newer devices that can happen. If I go home and I say, Alexa, turn on my countertop lights, and that ain't working, I can't dial 1-800-HELP. Right. <laughs> Help me. Because I'm the guy that set it up. So where's how, how, can you, how can you bust that bridge over to the trust factor to say, when it doesn't work or if this occurs, what do I do to get support? So I'm wondering in this space of this connected world that we're living in, in the psychology of trust and acceptance, if there is that missing piece, you know, that missing piece of there's not that person on the other end of the line. Well, may they be in Malaysia or the Philippines or wherever you call for a 1-800-GET-HELP call these days. And I'm not knocking you folks for that because, I mean, I love the fact that you subcontract out your call centers elsewhere in the world. However, I think it's a very, very, um, that's a big bridge. Yeah. The help and the accountability even it's, it gets really, really fuzzy. Yeah. Because self-reliance is only self-reliance on me as the, me and me alone as the support mechanism is only, only goes so far based upon what I can pour into Mm -hmm. it of what I know. Yeah. 
You know, you pour that, you, you take that example that we're talking about over into healthcare and what we were talking about, you know, with that, you know, person that's suffering from diabetes that may not be having their insulin pump working properly because the two devices aren't talking and it's not measuring properly. Or with my father-in-law with his, you know, his pacemakers not keeping things ticking properly. If that fails, who does he call? Well, he can call the device. And what I want to get in, what I want to see this next evolution in, and I don't know if 5G and the IoT evolution, I, I hope it's going to get it to this point is if I'm in a if I'm in the middle of an incident, I don't want to make a phone call. I want the phone call to come to me. Yeah. Right? And that's only possible if you trust, let the barrier come down, mm-hmm. let the data about you and what you need help with flow through the right channels and trust that whatever subscription service or whatever you're paying whether it be you know your healthcare option or you might even be paying a subscription based service with the device manufacturer whatever but trust that and, and and honestly there's only unfortunately one way to test it and that is for something bad to happen and then see how it comes out um, but uh, i, I you, the trust is huge um in in the device world i want to i hope we're getting there i think we're getting there i think it's a function of the reliability of it i think that's a piece of it but Mm. you were talking earlier about a service station yeah right it used to be it was a gas station but you pulled up they checked your oil. Yep. They pumped it full of gas. They would air up your tires. They would do all of that stuff. washer fluid. They gave you that too. No cost. You never had to get out of the car. Nope. Right? Nope. So kind of fast forward. So what happens? We're trying to bring cost out of delivering products. Yep. So we start pumping our own gas. Right? Well, now we go to Walmart. We go to Target. We go to Lowe's, Home Depot. What do we do? We check ourselves out, right? We yeah, check ourselves that's right. out. That's right. And so now we're you were talking about medicine earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's telemedicine, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. I got my laptop. I dial Teledoc. in. Yeah. I don't have to go anywhere. Now, I mean, pretty much all of the work that we do is virtual through mm-hmm. Zoom. Yep. yep. So we have clients all over the country, and we we pop it in using Zoom. Yep. So. The world is kind of changing, but it's changing in a way that is slowly adopting all these pieces of yep. technology. And I think it, it feels like 5G is just the next evolution of that. It's an enabler of the next chapter. Man, this is good stuff. I want you guys to stick around. We're going to do a, we're going to do a part two. We're going to continue on with this uh, conversation. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Partneronomics Podcast. We'll see you next time. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.